Well, welcome everybody. Welcome to the first live Father Heart TV webcast of 2024. Happy New Year to you all. Hope you've all had a good Christmas. Seems like quite a while since we were together uh, way back in December. And as you can see, I'm on my own tonight. Um, Barry landed in Finland earlier today and uh, he's there for 10, 10, 12 days or so doing a couple of conferences uh, with our, our good friends over there in Finland. So this week and next week, it's, it's me uh, on my own, um, but uh, you're very welcome. Thank you all for joining us. Just feel free to put a comment um, you know, in, in the chat box where you're listening from. It's always um, exciting just to see family gathering from all over the world. So um, yeah, welcome. Um, just got a few little things I'd like to mention for us before I, I start on the topic, which you can obviously see what it is from the, the screen. Um, but just to, to highlight a few things, uh, the first one is I will be in um, Rill, North Wales, at the Kinmel Bay Community Centre on Saturday the 17th of February. We're doing a Father Heart Day there um, with our good friend Glynis. And um, if you're in that area, North Wales or North of England, you're very, very welcome to come and join us for the day. It starts at 10 o'clock, finishes at about four and um, just £10 registration payable on the door. So, you know, we'd love to welcome um, as many people as possible to that. Um, you know, if you're free, if, if you're in that area, we'd, we'd love to see you. So that's kind of the next thing that's happening for me. On the 17th of February. Um, and then um, after that, I'm in Poland from the 3rd to the 9th of March doing a Father Heart uh, Encounter Week um, with my team uh, in Poland. Um, we've still got places. Um, and um, it's in a beautiful hotel uh, by the side of a lake, uh, halfway between Warsaw and Poznan. The school is taught in English, but translated into Polish. And um, if you're interested, have a look at my website and there's a link to the, 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 um, the Polish website where you can find all the booking details and all that sort of thing. Um, then in March, end of March, uh, Trevor and Linda Galpin have got a couple of events um, happening in the UK. They're running a four-day Father Heart Encounter from the 24th, Sunday the 24th of March to Thursday the 28th of March. Um, starting on the Sunday afternoon evening, finishing Thursday after lunch. Um, and they're doing that with our good friends Brian and Mary Spencer from Harvest Alliance. And then uh, that finishes on the Thursday and then on the Friday, which is the Easter weekend, 24th, 29th of um, March to the 1st of April, they're hosting a Father Heart Family Weekend with John and Christine Nuttall. So it'll be great fun. Um, if you wanna stay, if you wanna go to both events, um, both events are taking place at Cloverley Hall in Shropshire in the UK. A beautiful place. We've used it a number of times. It's a beautiful place. Um, lovely staff. Really look after us very well. And beautiful grounds. And both events are taking place there. If you want to stay, if you want to come to both events and stay the Thursday night 
um, between the two events, then there is a small extra charge for that and you can sign up, you can book for that uh, when you book for the Father Heart Encounter. All of the details for all of those events are on the fatherheart.uk website and um, there's links to you know the relevant pages and so on and so forth. So uh, those are the, 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 the few things that are happening over the next few um, couple of months and uh, it'd just be a joy to welcome um, as many of you as, as possible to, to any of those. So have a look at the Fatherheart UK, fatherheart.uk website. Um, you'll see all of those events there. Uh, particularly have a look at the one in North Wales. Really looking forward to that. And uh, as I say, if you're in that area, come and join us. Um, as I say, Barry is in um, Finland. He's doing a conference which starts tomorrow evening. One conference um, from Thursday tomorrow through to Sunday. And then a couple of days break and then he's got another conference um, in next week. So he will be back with me in two weeks time. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, what I wanted to do uh, today and next week is kind of do a two-part series really looking at the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Um, I know I did this um, a few months ago, I think it was last May, um, we did this kind of as a series together but um, I've really been thinking about it recently and um, maybe got a little bit more fresh uh, revelation and insight into this but the more I've looked at this over the last few weeks, I've really begun to see how this is so foundational for everything, um, you know, we believe everything we, we see of the goodness of the Father and the, the, the tragedy, if you like, of the, the human heart. But um, of course, overall, what we see is the redeeming plan that the Father put in place in order to bring us back into his plan, his plan A. So I want to just look at these these two trees in in the garden um, tonight and and next week. Um, and I, as I've looked at it um, just over the last few weeks, I've really got excited um, about this because it really shows. You know, by the end of next week, by the end of next Wednesday's webcast, I hope you'll be as excited uh, as I am. Um, but we know, you know, we know the Father had a plan. And his plan um, was simply that we would be sons and daughters, that we would live in relationship with him, that his life would be our life, and that we would live in that experience of being loved and of him being a father to us. Um, when everything went wrong in Genesis, God's plan didn't change. You know, he is the same yesterday, today and forever. You know, and his plan, he didn't panic and think, oh, what am I going to do? What's plan B? You know, he knew what plan A was and he's stuck with it and he's done everything to make that happen. And I want to just look carefully at the, the story in Genesis um, this evening and just draw out one or two things and then look at the impact that the tree of knowledge of good and evil has had on, on every human life. You know, it's, it, you know we, we can say, well, it was Adam and Eve in the garden, but actually it's affected all of us and it goes on affecting all of us. 
you know, I, I believe we see the fruit of this, this tree. We're going to call it the wrong tree rather than <laughs> the mouthful of the tree of knowledge of good and evil every time. But we're going to see the, the, the fruit. We see the fruit of this, this wrong tree, you know, in every area of society, politics, education, business, um, families, sadly, in churches, sadly. You know, this is something that has tainted um, the whole of the human race. So we can't just point the finger at Adam and his wife in the garden. We have to kind of point the finger at us and see how this has affected us. But I, I want to go right back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Um, God has just created man in his own image. And the very next thing he does is he blesses them. You know, they haven't done anything. They've just been brought into life. He's breathed the breath of life into them. And the very next thing he does is he blesses them. That's even before they start working in the garden. You know, they started working in the garden before the fall. Um, you know, at that stage, work was good. It was commended. It was something to be involved with. Um, but part of the curse in Genesis chapter 3 was that work would become a burden and would become hard. So something that was supposed to be a blessing um, became hard. But... When God created man, he blessed him. And, you know, that is so important for us to understand because that's the heart of the Father, to bless. And then the next thing that happens, again, before Adam starts working, is, is rest. The seventh day God rested. I'm sure, I'm sure man did too. And, you know, that's the heart of the Father. We're blessed and we live a life of rest. Now, just let's go back a little bit and look at this, because we know that um, the Lord God planted a garden, the Garden of Eden, and he put man there in the garden. And we read in Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, that the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden, were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here we are, you know, at the beginning in this beautiful garden uh, with lots and lots of trees growing, um, producing fruit, looking good, being attractive. And in the middle of this garden, two trees, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life and the lord god genesis chapter 2 verse 15 the lord god took the man and put him in the garden of eden to work it and take care of it and the lord said to him you can eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from that tree you will surely die now, that is a very, very clear instruction, isn't it? You know, the father was very clear with Adam. He said, look, there's all these trees in the garden. It's a beautiful garden. You can enjoy them. You can wander around. You can see them all. They're all producing fruit. They look great. But there's one tree in the middle that you mustn't eat from it. You know, if you eat from that tree, you will die. Very, very simple. Very, very clear. Now, a little bit later... Satan comes along and we read that he is more crafty than 
any of the other animals. You know, he's a bit of a toad, really. You know, <laughs> he's trying to pull a fast one all the time. And you know what? He still does. And, you know, we read that he was more crafty and he, he starts to recount what God the Father has said. He starts to recount that to the woman. But, of course, he twists it. But the, the, the thing is, he is so outrageously off the mark, it makes it very, very easy for the woman to be unclear or, or lacking clarity in, in her response. You see, Satan comes along and says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, that's not what he said. That's nowhere near what he said. You know, the father said you can eat from any tree apart from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Satan flips it around and said, did God say you can't eat from any of the trees? And, you know, it's so outrageously off the mark that it actually makes it easy for the woman to respond in an inaccurate or unclear way because she replies and says we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden uh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but um, God did not say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden or you will die you see she's not very clear she says we, we, we can't eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. Now that's, you know, that's not right because we know there's two trees in the middle of the garden and it's only one of them that they can't eat from. And she's not been very clear in, in her response. And Satan says, oh, no, 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 if you eat the tree, you know, you won't die, but you will become like God. And of course, that's a deception because they already were like God. They were created in God's image. They were like him. They had his breath in them, the breath of life. And, uh, you know, they were made in his image. And Satan says, oh, no, no, you know, you'll become, you'll become like God. And that's a very attractive proposition. You know, we all want to be like God. But the point is, they already were. And Satan says, oh, no, you won't die. Um... But actually, of course, we know that death entered the human race. And more importantly, the relationship between God the Father and his children was broken. That relationship died. And they also stopped being like God. They started to follow the ways of Satan. Pride and independence, which we read about in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel 28. You know, in, in Isaiah chapter 14, it's Satan's I wills. I will, I will, I will. <laughs> You know, I will become like the Most High. See, Satan wanted to be a father. He wanted to have the father's position for himself. And he became a father. He became the father of lies. And, you know, in, in, in Ezekiel 28, we read about the, the beauty, the beautiful creation, the, the beautiful creature that Satan was in the angelic, um, form covered in beautiful gemstones but somehow you know I really don't understand how this happens somehow in the perfect environment of heaven Satan's heart was corrupted and suddenly his wisdom was corrupted and he was kicked out of heaven because of his pride and his arrogance and wanting God's place for himself now 
that conversation that Satan had with the woman, you know, Satan is deliberately way off the mark. You know, he's saying, oh, did God really say you can't eat from any tree? You know, it's so outrageously wrong that there's no necessity in, in one sense for the woman to give an accurate re reply. If, if Satan had come to her and said, oh, is it true you can't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, which is what her response was, she would have been much clearer and said, well, no, 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 we can't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But because he was so outrageously off the mark, it left the door open for her to be unclear in her response. And that conversation cemented a relationship with Satan rather than the father. And the lack of clarity in the conversation is the beginning of the deception. And of course, we, we know that Adam was right by her side when this conversation was happening. You know, he was standing there listening. And it, it was to him that the father had said, no, that tree, don't eat from it. And he was just as much drawn into the deception as the woman because he didn't do anything to stop it happening. And, you know, in that moment when they ate the fruit of that tree, that relation, their relationship with the father died. You know, yes, death entered the human race, but, you know, man's intimacy and relationship with the father changed. And I'm sure that that broke the father's heart because before, before that moment, there was unity between God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit and, and mankind. There was, there was the flow of life, there was the pleasure of relationship, there was the joy of relationship, there were all of those things. And suddenly it was, there was a separation. There was a separation. And, you know, something happened that has affected the whole human race. Now, I just want to pause for uh, a moment here because when we read in the, the, the account of creation, when God created the world, when God, every stage of that creation, God stops and says, it's good. It's good. You know, this is good. And at the very end, of course, when he's created man, he says, this is very good. You see, so everything God made was good. But yet there's this tree that we're not supposed to eat from. <laughs> but it was part of the creation. And therefore, that tree was also good. And I've been asking myself, what is the goodness in that tree? What is its, what is its virtue? What is the virtue of that tree? And I've thought um, about this a lot because if everything God made was good, then there must be goodness for us to find in that tree. And so I've asked myself the question, you know, where is, <laughs> where is it? And I believe that that tree represented 
a choice. Because the Father wants, wants us to love him. The Father wants us to be in relationship with him. But relationship, love, intimacy is never forced. It's never manipulated. It's never coerced. You know, the Father does not force us to love him. He could, but he doesn't, because if he did, it wouldn't be love. So there has to be a choice. There has to be something that gives us the option. And a choice has to have a minimum of two things um, for there to be a choice. You know, it can be more than two, but, you know, the minimum number of things has got to be two things. And... I believe the father put that tree there because he wanted us to look at it and not to choose it. But instead, he wanted us to look to him and to choose him. He wanted us to discover what was right, what was good, what was true. He wanted us to discover all of that out of our relationship with him you know he wanted his life to be our life he wanted his love to be filling us and to be poured into our hearts he wanted us to walk in his ways you know he wanted us to desire him you know, psalm 40 verse 8 says you know i desire to do your will O lord my god and he wanted us to have that desire but he didn't force it because he knew if he forced it, it would stop being love. And so that tree represents a choice. And, you know, he gave us a choice. Do you want to find life in me? Or do you want to find corrupted wisdom, corrupted life, brokenness in the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And, I, you know, I, I, I'm sure... The father thought that through, you know, because he is love and he knows that love is given freely and it's not it's not it's not forced or a pressure. And, you know, I, I really just kind of think he he had to come up with that tree so that we would have the choice. And of course, of course, he wanted us to love him. He wanted us to find life in him. He wanted us to discover what was good in him but we had that choice and satan manipulated and coerced and twisted the truth and deceived adam and his wife leading them to believe that actually there was something better in this tree than there was in walking with the father See, God the Father wanted the flow of life from him to show us the right way to live and for us not to look elsewhere. Sadly, we were tricked, we were deceived. Satan was more crafty than all of the other animals. And the consequence of eating that fruit, as we all know, is that their eyes were opened. And I just want again, just pause and look, you know, what eyes were opened? We know it's not their natural eyes. Of course, we know that we, because of course they could see. But what are the eyes that 
are opened. And I believe it's the ability to discern right from wrong and good from evil. Now, we may say, what's wrong with that? You know, isn't that a good thing? Shouldn't we be able to discern good from evil and right from wrong? And yeah, you know, in one sense, of course we should. But as I said a few moments ago, the Father wanted us to find those answers in him. But this tree became to represent the corrupted and fallen wisdom of Satan. And so therefore, when we seek answers in that tree, we are seeking answers out of a fallen, corrupted understanding of what is right and what is wrong, of what is good and what is evil. Because we read in, in that passage in Ezekiel 28, and I would encourage you to read it. It's Ezekiel, Ezekiel 28, 12 to 17. We, it talks about the, 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 um, the beautiful created being that Satan was and how his heart became proud and how he became so, um, so proud of his beauty and his wisdom that it corrupted him and caused him to seek God's position for himself. So he doesn't offer the truths of what is good and what is evil and what is right is what is right and what is wrong. He offers us a corrupted, broken view, which we tend to live by too much of the time, unfortunately. And that's what shaped the whole of humanity. That's what shaped our education system, our politics, our families, our churches, our own lives, that we, we seek answers in a corrupted, broken system rather than pursuing life with the Father. We're going to talk more about that next week, of course. And what happened in that moment when their eyes were opened? You know, we stopped being sons and started to become orphans. When Satan stepped out of the father's presence, he became the ultimate orphan. You know, he didn't want a father. He didn't want any accountability. He didn't want any safety. He just was quite happy to be himself. Me, 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 I, I, I. Pride, arrogance, independence. Uh, the hallmarks of an orphan. And, you know, that's what he tainted the whole human race with. We see that in the story of Cain, Genesis chapter 4, where Cain kills his brother Abel. And the Lord comes and has a conversation with him. You know, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain says, oh, I don't know, nothing to do with me. And the Lord says to him, you will be a restless wanderer on the face of the earth. And the sad thing is, many of us are restless wanderers. You know, our hearts are not at peace. And there's a restlessness inside each one of us that says, what more have I got to do? What more have I got to have? What more have I got to be in order to, to know that I'm loved, valued and accepted? And there's this restlessness inside of us that, you know, I believe entered the, the human race. And we live as orphans rather than as sons. And what we end up trying to do is we end up trying to seek wisdom in our own strength, through our own ability. And what this means is we've intellectualized it and we swapped our heart out for the mind. And so this tree of knowledge of good and evil is all about the mind and the working of the mind 
Now, you know, not that the mind is bad. Of course it's not. We all, we, we all need to use our minds. God's given us a mind. He's given us abilities. He wants us to use them. You know, if I go to the doctor, I want him to use his mind. <laughs> when people came to see me when I was an accountant, you know, he wanted me to use my mind. But the thing is, you know, our mind is good and it has a place. But we don't relate to God the Father with our mind. We relate to him with our heart. Every significant relationship is a relationship of the heart. You know, with my wife, with my children, with my grandchildren, with my close friends, it's, it's a heart connection. And so it should be with our Heavenly Father that it's a connection of our heart. You know, Romans 5 verse 5 says, you know, God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You know, people often say, Mark, I've got it up here in my mind. I know God loves me. I've read it. <laughs> we, we all know that. But I don't know it here. How do I get it from here to here? And I say to people, that's the wrong question. It doesn't go that way. God the Father doesn't pour his love into our minds in the hope that maybe one day it would drop down. No. He pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And as our heart is transformed by the power of love, that becomes the source of our mind being renewed. So it starts here and it flows this way rather than the other way. You know, Romans 10 verse 10, it's with your heart you believe and are saved. See, it's, it's a heart connection. But what this tree has done is it's caused us to swap the heart for the mind, to try and work everything out, try and understand it in our own strength. And what that leads to is that leads to a very judgmental way of life. Because I've worked it out one way, you've worked it out the other way. I reckon my way's right, you reckon your way's right, and we have this conflict. So it's the cause of all of the wars in the world. People making judgments about other people. And of course, everybody thinks their judgment is, is right. And that's what this, this tree has caused us to do because we think we know what is good. We think we know what is evil. And we think if we do good, we'll be doing good. And if we do evil, well, we shouldn't do. You know? And we want to try hard not to do evil. And so we're driven. We're driven all the time by this performance, this striving, trying to pursue the right way of living. And we begin to see things from Satan's perspective, you know, the I will. And that leads us into a place, you know, when we sin and get things wrong, it leads us to a place of, of, um, of condemnation and self-judgment. Um, we try to do the right thing. We try to use our own effort to make a way to God and we become incredibly religious and judgmental of other people and their standards compared to ours. See, we've lost the heart of the relationship that the Father wanted. He always wanted us to be sons and daughters who would bring him pleasure. He always wanted us to be sons and daughters who would live like Jesus lived, that we would walk as Jesus walked. He always wanted us to know that we're loved 
in exactly the same way as Jesus is loved. That's what he wanted. He wanted us to live as sons, receiving life from him, himself. And instead we, we ended up living as orphans. We've swapped discernment for judgment. We sought wisdom for knowledge. And we end up very, very, you see, Satan is very subtle. He's more crafty than anyone, any other animal, any other creature. You know, we, we settle, you know, the lie, the deception that we settle for is to know about God rather than knowing him, rather than experiencing him. And instead, what we try to do is we try to imitate what Jesus did rather than having the same heart as Jesus had, rather than living and walking as Jesus walked. See, wisdom seeks answers through relationship. But corrupted wisdom seeks an answer through independence and pride and self-righteousness. You know, Satan was proud of his own beauty and the focus became himself. Adam and Eve, they ate from that corrupted wisdom that boasts in me rather than boasting in God the Father. You know, Paul brings us back to that, doesn't he? You know, I boast in him. I boast in his strength. I boast in his power. You see, the fruit of this tree leads to God the Father being misrepresented. And Satan does it very, very subtly, with a, you know, just very crafty and manipulative. But he takes us away from the truth of who God the Father is. And we end up in this life of performance and self-righteousness. And that's not the way the Father wanted us to live. See, when the eyes of our mind are opened, you know, when we look for wisdom in the wrong place, when we, when we feed off this corrupted wisdom, when we stop feeding on the life that the Father wants to give us, the eyes of our mind are opened and the eyes of our heart begin to close. And we get the whole flow of life <laughs> completely the wrong way around. You know, we think we've got to do good and not do evil. And it becomes a, a life of striving. Because, you know, you know, at the end of the day, if you live like that, how do you know? How do you know when you've done enough? You can't possibly, if you're living like that, you can't possibly know. But you see, the other way, the way we were meant to live was receiving life out of our relationship with him. You know, God the Father wanted us to find life. He wanted us to find what was true and what was right out of our relationship with him. And we sacrificed it for our own strength, our own opinions, our own abilities we've reversed the flow of life and let me tell you that way is jolly hard work 
because it's all about me, whereas the other way is all about him. And we've ended up, sadly, with more knowledge than we can handle. You know, we see this in so many areas. And we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, that knowledge puffs up, <laughs> whereas love builds up. We begin to understand with our head and not our heart. And so we relate to God out of our head rather than our heart. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 puts it really well. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Our own striving does not bring us life. And yet we think we've got all of the answers. You know, there is another way to live. And Isaiah tells us this in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. When we dwell in Zion, we have a teacher who we can see and we can hear and who shows us the way to walk. This teacher says, this is the way. Walk in it. And so this is the ultimate consequence of eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Satan wants to prevent mankind from having any relationship with the Father. Or at best, we have a religious, intellectual, mind-centered one. And that whole attitude has spilled over into every area of life. And we, we begin to see the Father through Satan's fallen perspective. We see him through a fallen filter. His goodness, his compassion, his graciousness, his kindness, his faithfulness, his forgiveness, all become tainted as we look at him through the wrong filter, through a hard heart. And so we do need to allow our minds to be renewed. But our mind is not renewed by our own discipline, but it's renewed by love working in us and through us. It's the internal transformation of the love of the Father being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So we live and walk according to the Spirit. Living out of the mind leads to a hardness of heart. We read about that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse um, 17 to 24. Paul writes this, he said, I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new 
in the attitude of your minds to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See the fruit of the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is a hard heart, is the futility of our thinking and our understanding becoming darkened. And all of that leads us to become separated from the life of God. See, that's the consequence of eating the fruit of the wrong tree. And that's what Satan wanted to achieve. He wanted to take, he wanted to prevent us from having that relationship with the Father that we knew at the beginning. But the Father doesn't stand for that. He's done everything possible everything necessary in order to redeem us back to him through Jesus so that we can come and find life once again. We're going to look at that next week. Come along next week for the second part. <laughs> See, when we come back to the eyes of our heart being opened, which is how we begin to see the truth of who we are and who the Father is, we, you know, we, it's a complete reversal of the other way of living. And Paul again writes about this in, in Ephesians, this time in Ephesians chapter, um, Ephesians chapter 3. You know, this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he will strengthen you with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love goes beyond all knowledge. See, that's the heart of the Father is that we would be rooted and planted and established in love so that his love would become the source of our energy, it would become the source of our life it would give us everything we need and it would release us into the glorious life we were meant to, to live. Paul also writes in Ephesians chapter one that the eyes of, that he, Paul is praying and he prays to the Father that we would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better and that the eyes of our heart would be opened so that we would know the hope to which we've been called. See, that's a very powerful prayer. Paul prays that we would get to know him better and we get to know ourselves better. We would know our true calling as sons and daughters. But when we live from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we're consumed with trying to do good and trying even harder not to do evil. You know, what must I do? What should I not do? And so we live by our own law of what is right and what is wrong. We feel like the motivation to get back to the Trinity has to be through our own effort. And so we end up barking up the wrong tree. It's orphan-hearted and it's slavery. But when we live by the Spirit, we live in love. I, I really believe that we can understand this tree of knowledge of good and evil when we look at the story of the lost sons in in Luke chapter 15 
it's a story, of course, we know very well, but I was just looking at it the other day and thought, yeah, this describes this tree. <laughs> One son, the younger son, was caught up in sin and rebellion. And that separated him from the father. The other son was caught up in slavery and religious duty. And that separated him from the father. It's interesting to see which son, son recovered. See, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil is sin and rebellion, sin and religion. We've been deceived, so we don't seek life out of relationship with the father. And we'll either pursue rebellion or religion. And they both keep us outside of the father's house. See, what Jesus does in this story is he redefines sin. He's telling this story, along with the other two stories in Luke 15, he's telling it really to the, tax, to, to the, to the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees because they, they come to Jesus and they say, oh, look, you know, he hangs around with the sinners and the tax collectors. And so Jesus told them, told them these three stories. And of course, when we get to the story of the lost son, he leaves it hanging. You know, the, the boy that's done everything right. I've always served you. I've always obeyed you. I've never... You know, I've never left your house. I've always been here. I've been a dutiful servant. You, you know, and there's that bitterness in the older son's heart. You know, you've never given me anything. You've never thrown a party for me. And he's stuck. And Jesus is telling this story to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. And he's redefining sin by telling this story. You see, they think that sin is the sinners and tax collectors, the people that do everything wrong. And Jesus says, yeah, that's sin. But sin is also trying to do everything right, but for the wrong reason. You know, sin is, is slavish duty. Hoping that it will make you right with God. And Jesus says in this story in Luke chapter 15, that that's just as bad as the son who goes off in his sin and rebellion. And as I said, you know, it's interesting to see which one comes back home, which one allows himself to be welcomed by the father and taken into the home. See, when we live from the wrong tree, we pursue religion because we want to try and do the right thing. And we're very aware of the sin that lurks in the corner. So we try really hard not to do that. And, you know, of course we shouldn't sin. And of course we should do the, you know, we should do the right thing. But Jesus is challenging the heart. And he's saying, what's your heart motivation for this? What's your heart motivation for what, you, what you're doing? And he's showing that the religious leaders of the day, that their heart is just as messed up as the younger son. See, Jesus shows that man-made religion of trying to please God by doing the right thing is just as bad and is probably harder to recover from. See, Satan has made religion look like a substitute for relationship. It's not. It's not even a poor substitute. It's no substitute at all. And what he wants us to do is get out of the wrong tree and start to find 
the source of life once again. You know, Jesus came that we would have life and life in all its fullness. You know, the enemy, the thief has come to kill, steal and destroy. And, you know, the reality is he does a pretty good job of it, doesn't he? You know, he's so crafty and so deceptive that we find ourselves losing the life that the Father wants us to have. But Jesus says, no, no, that's not the way to live. I've come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. See, we are made in his image. And therefore, there's a longing in our heart to get to know him better. I believe there's that longing in every human heart. You know, some people are so hurt and wounded, you know, they can't find it. But there's something in every human that is there to recognize the presence of God because we're created in his image. We want to be connected and so we try and find a way and very often we end up climbing up this wrong tree. And we see with the eyes of our mind rather than the eyes of our heart. And Paul's prayer is that the eyes of our heart would be open so that we can see who the Father is and see who we are and see the true source of life. Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, through Jesus, everything has been done for us to get out of the wrong tree and begin to find life again. The tree of life takes us back into relationship and shows us the higher law of love. The fruit of the Spirit, interestingly in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, it says the fruit of the Spirit is above the law. It takes precedence over it. And so instead of justice and judgment, we seek mercy and therefore freedom. Instead of death, we find streams of living water and begin to live life to the full. Sonship is the downward flow of life from heaven, where we know that everything has been done for us. You know, Cain was a restless wanderer on the face of the earth, but I believe, you know, if we go back to the way the Father created us, we were blessed and then we rested. And when we have our heart at rest, there is nothing more we need to do, have or become in order to know that we're loved, valued and accepted. I'm just going to pray. I invite you to come back next Wednesday, same time, same place, and we'll look at the tree, the tree of life. But maybe let's just put our hands on our heart or something and just let's just pause for a few moments and just allow the Father to pour his love into our hearts. Let's recognize this tree, the futility of trying hard to do good and trying even harder not to do evil. Yes, let's recognize that our upward effort will never get us where we want to get. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that 
you've always loved us. Thank you that you're loving us now. Father, thank you that you're pouring your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that you want us to find life. You want us to find what is good and find what is right out of our relationship with you. Father, you want your life to be our life. So, Father, I just ask that you would show us the futility of this stupid way of living. Man's effort. Pride, independence. Father, show us the futility of that. And show us, let, let the eyes of our heart begin to see the other way the way you've always wanted for us. Thank you, Father. Father, just as you welcome the younger son home, you threw your arms around him, put a robe over around him, ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Father, would you, Father, may we just encounter your love and encounter your embrace. we feel a little bit like the older brother father but I thank you that you go out to the older brother too and you want to welcome him in the same way and if we feel a little bit like the older brother today father I just I just ask that your love would draw the older brother in and something in the older brother that's in all of us that the eyes of our heart We'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to get to know you better. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your goodness and your love and your life. May your life be our life. Amen. Well, thank you for being with me this evening. Come back next Wednesday for the Tree of Life. And uh, yeah, let's live receiving life from above and letting his life be our life. Bless you. Have a good week and uh, see you next week. <laughs>